Weather outside is bleeding massive. How are you? How are you? Oh, so nice. Oh, being in this studio is so nice, but it's also so shit. We're so appreciative <laughs> to have this studio. Uh, so this is the first podcast that we're doing properly in our lovely uh, studio, thanks to the Headstuff Podcast Network. God, I really feel like really accepted and part of a community now. It's amazing. It's Ooh. like being in school, but everybody likes me. Here they've got uh, little posters for all their podcasts, and there's loads of ones that I, I love. So, for example, Spark and Change with Phil, the Potter Rooney, Dublin. Um, Dublin is probably my favourite, because yeah. I'm a dub, and you're from Navin, and Navin is shit. Hey. <laughs> Money making. Hey, hey guys. Uh, should you not be saying, hey. 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 Extra vowels. Vowels and vowels and cows. I need to get some Navin people on this Yeah, is, are there any people in uh, Navin? Oh, there's... <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, Michael, uh, <laughs> we have to get him on. Um, Stuart Carlin's from now. Oh, right? brilliant. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuart Carlin, if you're listening, uh, please come on our podcast. We <laughs> would like to talk to you. Uh, but yeah, what's been going on with everybody? How you doing? Uh, my name is Paul Butler Lennox, and that fella there is. Paul Webster. Um, I might sound a bit weird. I was at the dentist today, so just if, if I sound a bit slurred, that's why. I was just about to say that the, the, the smile is looking incredible. I you, know. Like, <laughs> gorgeous. Um, yeah, I hadn't been in a while, but yeah. So yeah. So yes, we're in our new home, uh, it, and it's it's lovely. It's nice to have four working mics and yeah. uh, you know nice seats and uh, a soundproof room. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Uh, um, what 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 have you been up to, everybody? How are you doing? as well? It's, yeah. It's yeah. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, man. So we'll be getting a bit more regular. Maybe we might go, we might try a, a bi-weekly. And if we have enough, we might try and go weekly. But yeah, the, the focus is on getting good content. Um, and it Quality, not quantity. quantity. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some things that are going on, generally speaking, Paul. What's happening uh, in your film life? Oh, things are me. going well. Busy. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, working on some projects. We'll hopefully have them. News for you that, uh, on all that later in the summer. Uh, you have an event. Yes, up. yes. Film Network Ireland is back like the renegade master once again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Loves yeah, the 90s reference. Yeah, t- I'm telling you. Um, let me think. Um, yeah, we FNI has an event at the weekend called, and you love this, Son of a Pitch. Popping peas there like nobody's the business. Sunday the... The third... I think, yeah, Sunday the 3rd. And it's on in the Dame Tavern. Um, Basically, it's a pitch-orientated workshop where Colin, uh, 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 listeners to the podcast will remember uh, Colin McCoon, yes. who's actually not British, he's Northern Irish, but uh, he's he's coming in, he's going to do a little bit of a chat um, about pitching. Um, uh, The Irish Film Board Short Shots Deadline is coming up on the 8th. Uh, a lot of shorts. So, sorry, pardon me. Focus shorts, I beg yeah. your pardon. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of people still kind of hock their wares around, uh, looking to hock their wares, who may have a 10-page script. So it's like a 10-page or pop-up kind of night where you come, have a, like, have a listen to someone who's, you know, been rejected as much as you have, <laughs> but with slightly more success. And uh, he will then come and talk to people and then people will have opportunities to give like an elevator kind of two minute pitch kind of thing uh, to an audience. And then if anybody in the audience is looking to maybe produce something or, uh, you know, 
produce an A-team type scenario to take some small village in Cambodia somewhere. Cool. And uh, what time is that on? Uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. on Sunday, Sunday the 3rd of June. Um, yeah, and equally, this is about to drop as well, FNI has another writing workshop, uh, writing and general filmmaking workshop with Ip Wishin. He's coming back again. Uh, for a week-long workshop in A4 Sounds, and it's running from the 24th uh, for five or six days. Keep an eye on all of our social networks, the Twitter machine, the Instasham, and and the uh, the old Facebook. Cool. Uh, for more details, um, terms and conditions apply. You can also buy us a coffee. Yes. Uh, have you, Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever dreamed of <laughs> sitting down with Paul Webster for two and a half minutes? Well... Uh, Now's your opportunity. F and I, uh, yeah, we're not subsidized. We're not funded. We're not, uh, you know, we don't have, um, uh, we don't get brown envelopes with money from people to keep going. So, you know, all of these type of things, they do cost a bit of cash. So we're just looking to cover costs with a lot of these things. So if you'd like to buy me or Paul or F and I in general a coffee uh, to keep us, keep a roof over our heads. If, it's something, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the events. Yeah, or if, you know, you've got some work out of the group. Yeah. coffee forward slash FNI. Very good. Or you can just buy Paul a cup of tea in the coffee <laughs> shop if you yeah. see him or whatever. And, we, you know, if uh, and a by bun. all means... I wouldn't e- mind a bun. Would you like a rock bun, Dale? <laughs> it all, see, that's the magic, you see. A little pinch of salt, you see, to give it that extra savoury flavour. Int... <laughs> I digress. Come to the events. Help us. We will always try to, uh, you know, provide as much interesting content and interesting events to actually help people um, going forward. I think this intro. Yeah, we're, we're we're back. We yeah, want to yeah, we want to yeah. be back with a bang. Yeah, uh, and we have a really lovely guest today. Yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. Ah, she, we just had her on. She's brilliant. Uh, Sheila Hearn. She is a producer and rese- researcher on the film Citizen Lane, which is. Still in cinemas, but you might just get it a couple more days, maybe over the weekend. Mm. Um, I got it. It's 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 if you're into history, you'll love it or art or anything like. If that. you're into human beings being interesting, mm. Mm. go and yeah. see it. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, and it's very lush. Um, yeah, you know, written by Marco Halloran and t- uh, today is so today Sullivan, is Sullivan uh, directing. Yeah. Great crew, great team, and just lovely piece of work. Go yeah. go and see it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll. Uh, I think that's all our news and all the intro done, so we'll yeah. give you... The World Service, signing off. <laughs> uh, yes, that's it. Uh, we'll yeah. Very much for joining us. You're very welcome. Um, so we always jump in with this kind of question of how did you get into TV? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no messing around. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an ad in the newspaper. Literally, I really? saw an ad in the newspaper in 1987. Wow. Um, or she were looking for production assistants. And a friend of mine who I was in college with worked there and I'd just come back from doing a documentary in Mozambique for Today Tonight and I thought, oh, I'd like to do that. (laughs) Um, Literally applied for production assistant. I'd been in UCD and then was working kind of in the entertainment. I was a follow spot operator in the Olympia Theatre. Worked in the Project Arts Centre. Worked for a record company for a while. But 
it was the previous recession and there were no jobs mm. for somebody with an arts degree, no jobs. So literally applied from the newspaper, worked in RT then for 13, 14 years. Wow. It's exactly the same process now, isn't it? Yeah. And what so what was that job involved? Was that general production system? Yeah. It, it was a brilliant training. You yeah. kind of did a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, overall, kind of coordination of programs, putting things together, live stuff, which is brilliant. There is nothing like live radio or live television okay. to focus the mind. Right. When that red light goes on, yeah. <laughs> the mess and has to stop. You're on air. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get that memo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit more loose here. Yeah. Were, were there any big lessons to learn at that time? Um, I suppose my, my main interest had always been kind of politics, current affairs. So I managed to weave yeah. my way into working on current affairs documentaries mainly. That would have been my interest. Um, the last programme I did in RT was um, a documentary series called States of Fear, mm. which was about um, institutional childcare and uh, the industrial schools with producer Mary Raftery. Yeah. And it was one of those documentaries when people say, oh, you know, television, it's just fluff or entertainment. Actually, there are times when it can make a difference. Yeah. And that series led on to, in part with a lot of other things, led on to the Ryan Commission, which was an investigation which yeah. took 10 years yeah. to finally come up with the same conclusions that we'd come up with on television. But it, w- it, was, it, was, it was great to be yeah. part of that. Harrowing, difficult. Yeah. Um, but the producer, Mary Raftery, was an amazing woman to work with. Right. And like, you know, the, the level of uh, detail and integrity. Because if you, if, if you get caught out in one thing wrong, everything else is a question. Yeah. So we check kind of discredits. Yeah. yeah, you have to be really careful. You get one small thing wrong, say, well, they got that wrong. What else have they got yeah. wrong? Mm, yeah. So she was so rigorous as a journalist, and it was investigative journalism at its best. Wow. Wow. Um, so after that, I left and went freelance and yeah. continued um, working in, again, doing a lot of programmes about child sex abuse and the mm. scandals around that. And the first fictional thing I ever did, the first film I ever worked on was, uh, a, again, for television, a drama for television called Whistleblower, mm. which was about um, the Michael Neary case. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you about this. Yeah. It's a, a little anecdote. <laughs> this won't take long. It's a personal thing. Basically, my, uh, he would have given birth to my brother uh, my older brother and my mum uh, wasn't a huge fan of him so she asked for another doctor um, and all the nuns were like you've probably heard loads of stories like yeah. this all the nuns and this like, was in Drada in Drada yeah oh. Lady Lourdes yeah uh, and uh, yeah uh, so she asked for another doctor and then my second brother and me were born but apparently we would have been perfect uh we would have been fit the profile, or my mother would have fit the profile for uh, one of these unnecessary hysterectomies. Yeah. So there's a good chance I wouldn't be here wow. doing this interview. Yeah. And aside, but Jesus. Yeah. 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 So, that, so what was that it's like very working soon. on? Um, I'd never worked on um, drama or fiction before. Yeah. And actually, this really wasn't fiction. It was absolutely based on real events. And the producer, Siobhan Burke, um, had asked me to, because I had done a, um, a primetime about Neary for RT as an independent okay. company, um, and they needed uh, a researcher because it's it's quite seldom that researchers end up working in drama. Right. Um, but this 
every line. The poor writer was driven demented. Uh, that did not happen. We we had to keep very close because there were there were m- many of the doctors involved were quite litigious, and there were current there were cases currently before the courts. So we had to be absolutely. Um, accurate with everything about it even down to people's appearance like if somebody you know were they all being collegiate with him were they drinking mm. from teacups or mugs like we had he to wore a so cravat no he didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know there was yeah, that there was kind no of license like, there was no dramatic no, license in any, no very very little freedom and yet the writer and the producers and the director and everyone involved had to make a, a drama had to make something that was engaging yeah. with the audience yeah, yeah. and yet at the same time within that very rigid constrict of of being absolutely accurate yeah. and that's where and I kind of enjoyed it um, yeah. it was different um, and then I went back and I did quite a few um, current affairs type programmes okay. yeah, yeah. and then with um, producer James Mitchell who's okay. the producer of the Hugh Lane film oh yeah and James rang me and said uh, would I be interested in doing Hugh Lane and I said Oh, I don't know anything about you, Lane. Um, but this is good because a lot of people wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And then it's good for I, I, I went to school close to the Hugh Lane Gallery, and I went to the, probably the worst school in Ireland. Well, I'll claim it was. We okay. didn't do music. We didn't. It was dreadful. The nuns. Oh, I fought them tooth and nail. Yeah. So I used to go in the Mitch quite a lot. Right. And of course, you couldn't go home. You'd be murdered. Mm-hmm. So, on a good day, over to the Garden of Remembrance. Yeah. Yeah. And on a bad day, into the Hugh Gallery. Yeah, yeah. So I remember, I actually know all of those paintings wow. so well. Yeah. So I said, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. And just for anyone who hasn't seen Hugh Lane, what, the Citizen Lane, what would be the, your pitch? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'm hugely proud of it. Okay. Hugely proud of it. Yeah. Um, and you don't say that easily or often. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a remarkable the combination because there is there's about uh, uh, 74 minutes there's about 30 minutes of drama yeah. and the rest is documentary I worked uh, particularly on the documentary side yeah. which involved um, contemporary contributors talking about the issues around um, what happened at the time when Lane died in 1915 and up to date the controversy over the ownership of the paintings yeah. um, so I looked after that side of things and there was another producer um, Jane Doolan who looked after all of the drama and all of the post-production she's a, a film producer and has done an awful lot of work yeah. um, so we worked together and it was that combination which was really scary of combining drama and documentary yeah. because you mm. can have a really emotional drama scene and then cut to well, in 1907, the Harcourt Street yeah. Gallery opened and it's like putting a pin in a bubble, in a balloon. It just mm. bursts yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the emotion, the magic. Yeah. The magic. Yeah, yeah. But somehow, um, <laughs> that magic through the writing of Marco Halloran, yeah. who I love, yeah. Yeah. Thaddeus O'Sullivan, the direction, amazing, yeah, yeah. and Mick Mahan, the editor, yeah. they somehow managed yeah. to weave... Yeah. It's so You might even say a fine tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't like to labour that, <laughs> that simile. But yeah. I, I, they managed somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And you seldom s- I see that working. Because mm. yeah. we, you'd use kind of a little drama reconstruction. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Like yeah. we'd nothing for Lane. There's no actual film of him. I yeah. searched and searched and yeah. searched. Yeah. We've photographed some really nice photographs. But you're looking at very flat, two-dimensional representations of this character and we wanted to bring him to life. We wanted people 
to get a sense of the man and understanding of what what made him um, what made him do what he did, yeah. which was essentially amass an amazing collection of paintings and give them away, yeah. give them to yeah. Ireland. Yeah. And in order to do that, you had to make him real. You had to make people empathise, mm. and that's what makes the film so magical. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Go and see it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and cinemas nationwide. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, just for our, for the benefit of our listeners, if you could tell us a little bit just about Hugh Lane. A little bit about his background. Yeah, a fascinating character. I wasn't too sure when I started if I liked him. He was very, very precise about everything. I'd say he'd drive you nuts. A bit of a dandy. You know, very, everything had to be, yeah. you know, in its right place. He'd be there kind of like dusting off people's clothes and rearranging furniture and yeah. rearranging mm, yeah. everything. But his warmth and generosity and reading what other people thought about him really sucked me in. He was born, his parents were kind of middle class, Protestant, but his parents had actually no money. Like, uh, ah, And okay. they were both Irish. Um, Lady Gregory was his aunt. So Lady Gregory's sister, Adelaide Lane, Adelaide um, Percy, yeah. was Hugh's mother. Okay. Um, she married James Lane, who was Protestant vicar. They moved to the UK and they had these small, several small parishes down the south of England. Yeah. There were eight children born, two little girls died shortly after birth. Hugh, by pure coincidence, was born in, by, by pure um, serendipity, was born in Cork yeah. because they were just over on holidays. Um, his father had inherited a house. So just by chance, he was born in Cork, even though both his parents were, were, okay. were Irish. So that's what makes him Irish. That's what makes him Irish. Okay. But mm. more than that made him Irish, his passion, his interest in Irish and in Irish art and Irish artists. Mm. Um, a lot of Irish people lived in the UK. William Orpen, Yeats lived in the UK and uh, travelled back and forth. So at the time, sure, we, were, we were part of Same the United yeah. Kingdom. Yeah. So a lot of people moved between London and Dublin. These yeah. were the two cities, the two capital cities and to some extent Glasgow and, and um, Edinburgh and Belfast. But Dublin and London, people moved all the time. Mm. Um, his parents separated, which was very unusual, especially with six children mm. um, and very little money. The father didn't earn a lot right. um, and the mother didn't have an income. Uh, and they separated and they lived in Plymouth. So when Hugh was 18, um, the father stopped paying child support for all the children that became 18. So he had to get a job to earn a living and he became an apprentice to um, an art dealer in London. And he was only 18. Within 18 months, he had set himself up as an art dealer. So at the age of 19, 20, he had, he had something. He had no education. He never went to school. He had an eye. He was able to see something and be able to tell you whether it was valuable or not. I, I didn't come across any time that he got it wrong. Right. Um, it, was, it got to a point later on where he would go around a sales room and he'd be looking at something. People would follow him around. And whatever he looked at, if he went on, they'd pick it up and they'd yeah. go, ooh, and they'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or it was... Whatever he looked at, yeah. it, it was like a Midas yeah, um, yeah. kind of the thing. Pied Piper, huh? Yeah, mm. he made a fortune. Right, wow. and uh, in the film, a lot is made of that Tashin yeah. picture. So, uh, is it Tashin? Is it a Tishin? Tishin. Sorry, Tishin. Tishin. Yeah, uh, the man in the red cap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because he bought and sold that a couple of times, yeah. and made he, his fortune. Yeah. <laughs> he sold that for fifty thousand uh, pounds, which was a phenomenal amount of money at the time. And he was broke. He never had any money. Okay. He was one of these people. If you gave him a tenner, 
it'd be gone within an hour. He'd have sold it, gambled it. He gambled all the time. Right. He'd have sold, he'd have given it away. He'd have given yeah. it to you as a present. He'd have sold, he'd have bought a piece of jewellery and given it to his sister. He'd have, he, he couldn't keep money in his pocket. I think, I don't think he had pockets. It okay. was just yeah. gone. Okay. And he was broke. And that's why he ended up going to America in 1915 to do, he was being paid to do an insurance deal. Paintings had been damaged. Mm. Um, and it was on the way back um, that he died on the Lusitania. Mm. But it was only... He, he went because he was broke right. and only found out that the titian was sold to Henry Frick in New York. And it's still in the Frick Gallery. So if you, anyone who's in New York, you can okay. go and see the man in the red cap. OK. And uh, could you tell us, like, how, as a researcher, your researcher role on this one, so how do you work with the writer and a director? That was really, that was the real fun part for okay. me. Um, yeah. And it happened quite a long time ago. OK. Uh, I, I read all, there, there are three biographies. Robert O'Byrne has written a really good biography of Hugh Lane. Um, and then his aunt Lady Gregory in 1919 wrote one. Not great and very anecdotal. She didn't have access to the same sort of material that we have now. Okay. And then um, Thomas Bodkin in 1933 wrote another biography. So I used those as the basis of it. And the first thing I did was pick up Gossip. Because, like, little tidbits oh, they're of the things. best stories. Okay. Yeah. You know, he smoked the cheapest cigarettes, like, real right. tatty things. Okay. I wrote, did a list. His, his brother was eaten by a lion in Africa. Uh, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't spend money on food. You know, a, a, bun, and a bun and a pear. <laughs> his dog's name was Tinko. His cat's name was Tiger. Like, all this little trivia and yeah, bits yeah. of gossip. He, he was insomniac, you know. All of these little things. Actors must yeah. love you. <laughs> well, Those details. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was those details given to Mark O'Halloran, mm-hmm. um, plus Mark. So Mark read, the, did a lot of work, uh, research himself. Yeah. But those little details, so I went through all of the available material. I spent hours in the National Gallery okay. reading all of Hugh's letters, um, barely able to read his writing. Um, but sometimes the most magical thing for me happened when I was... Uh, Mancini, the uh, painter that who, who you loved and brought to, to Dublin. Yeah, it seems um, like a... The photograph and the yeah. film, is, it's real eccentric, yeah. it's amazing, yeah. Mancini couldn't speak English, Hugh couldn't speak Italian, um, <laughs> but they both spoke French and they both had the most appalling handwriting in the world. Right. And they'd write to each other. Okay. Um, and I was trying to read these letters when out fell the tiniest little black and white, you know those little tiny black and white photos? Yeah. Of mm. Mancini painting Hugh's sister Ruth with that mad grid yeah. and mm. with the uh, laurel leaves on his head. Yeah. And it was a tiny little photograph. I showed that to Mark O'Halloran. And he wrote the scene. Wow. Just wow. over a little photo wow. that fell out of an envelope wow. in the National Library up in Kildare yeah. Street. Devil is in a detail, huh? But that's, 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 re- that's, that's research. Yeah. That's what I call it. Not right, fact-checking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, that's when you come across those little gems that yeah. just lift something out of the ordinary. Amazing. That's brilliant, yeah. That's... Uh, that's, that's one of the most memorable scenes in the film. So there you go. Could also be right up there in terms of highlights of her podcast series <laughs> so far. <laughs> it's early do- it's early doors, yeah, but yeah, we'd yeah. say. Um, and that's yeah, that's so that so that was your research so that was your role kinda ending there. You brought it to all those little bits and then 
did you Mark you wrote the script been, right okay Mark yeah. wrote the script and that was that was when things start to and Thaddeus was involved on that stage of the script yeah. writing with Mark and we I remember we locked ourselves the three of us in a room for a week kind of thrashing out ideas because there was more to the story than right. it's in the film yeah. which is always so frustrating what you have to leave out yeah. um, and it was how to tell that story and have it in a, a kind of a, a linear sort of narrative without being kind of the history lesson of he was born in 1875 he went to London yeah. like yeah. to bore the audience to death but you still have to tell the story and you still have to have all those elements and we would be fighting and I was the pain in the corner saying that never happened that never happened mm. there is one scene that didn't happen but because it was so important and the, it was the scene with William Martin Murphy and Hugh Lane mm. when they're arguing about the slums falling in Dublin in 1913 yes. and yeah. Martin Murphy who was the villain of the piece. He was responsible for the lockout. Mm -hmm. Um, He was responsible for people starving. He was responsible for the poverty that happened in Dublin in 1913. And he's arguing, um, and because he owned the Irish Independent as well as many other powerful um, forces, in, particularly in Dublin, um, he had control of the media. Mm. So the arguments that you see in that scene, although they never actually met in real life, Mm. were all played out in the newspapers. Ah, But so if you were substantial, important. Yeah, but it was that whole, and we're having that argument now, art versus, you know, people on trolleys and hospitals. Yeah. yeah it was the same then. Yeah, the value. The money for the gallery yeah, yeah. versus yeah. slum clearance. Yeah. It's not yeah. either it or. It's either or, yeah. 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 But all of that came, and Mark wrote that from newspaper uh, opinion pieces yeah. from both of them. Yeah. Even though they never met. But if I was to do that in a, a traditional television documentary format, it's the most boring thing to be looking at scratchy yeah. old newspaper cuttings. Yeah. Yeah. It's great material, great information, yeah. Yeah. but it's deadly dull visually. Yeah. And um, so the fact that they didn't me- meet in real life, I could, <laughs> I could live with. Yeah. <laughs> but they brought it to As life. As a researcher, yeah. I could Dramatic live with. license. Yeah. 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 And yeah, is that often say in other roles where you're a researcher is it always kind of are you sometimes cringing or kind of wary of because if is it your name that's on it as research is that kind of the fear sometimes that if if the filmmaker gets it wrong Um, they wouldn't get it wrong (laughs) they they wouldn't dare they wouldn't if they were to ignore your research or <laughs> you won't let them. Okay. I would argue, okay. hopefully convincingly, because I think if it's real, it has yeah. more impact. Yeah. Mm. The fact that everything in everything in the Hugh Lane film is real, much of the dialogue that Mark wrote is, we don't know, we weren't there, nobody was yeah. between two individuals. And Mark constructed that dialogue based on the information he had about the personalities and the characters from letters, from things they wrote. So like, you know, a scene with his father and himself, which is a very powerful scene in the film. Yeah. His pa- parents who had separated and they yeah, I might draw your attention to a little book I like to call The Holy Bible, which people also think is word for word. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. th- there needs to be dramatic <laughs> license. No, I'm not getting politi- uh, like yeah. uh, theological about this, but, you know, not, not everything is written in stone. Uh, you, there's dramatic license there to get points across, which yeah. is very important. Uh, oh, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, the Bible's not such a great book, though. No. <laughs> I saw the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so that's an amazing just to hear how the film was brought to life mm. from, you know, a couple of books, like not that much material, obviously, 
on and nothing by Hugh. He didn't. Right. He wrote the most boring, dullest letters. But was he was like quite young when he died, right? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. You kind of think like I, I was we all speculating what would have happened had he lived on. Right. Um, yeah, because he had just started the role as the director of the National Art Gallery. He in wasn't Dublin, in that job yeah. Long, and right. he had because he'd never been educated. Um, I, I think he had a bit of an inferiority complex. Okay. And you know the others, particularly. Um, dare I say it, in Trafalgar Square in London, would kind of lord it over him. Mm. Who is this, you know, grimy dealer? Like, he's yeah. only trying to make money. Yeah, um, yeah. He's only promoting this art to make a, a quick book. He never in his life ever sold a modern painting. He only dealt in old masters. Mm. So all of the paintings he collected, all of uh, and the French Impressionists in particular, mm. were all to be presented as a gift to Ireland mm. um, and they weren't collected because they were bargains or he picked up something cheap he selected them to have a collection so it was mm. a Monet mm. a Degas Bert Morisot he, he specifically made a collection and that's what's so tragic about them being split and having mm. having them in the ownership of yeah. Trafalgar Square who believe they can look after them much better than we can yeah yeah, they're the second villain of the piece. Yes, <laughs> that's another thing that attracted me. Not having gone, having gone on the Mitch um, from the Holy Fake Convent to Dominic Street, um, and then the kind of controversy over the ownership of the paintings and yeah. how the British r- took ownership. So yeah. you see parallels there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of yeah, that stokes the blood. Fight the power, but it was like Irish the controversy. Audience. It's more than a biopic. It's more mm. than a story of an interesting man who yeah. bought interesting paintings. Mm. There is an edge to it, and there yeah. is um, the the issue is still alive. It's a great story. It's a great story. It's yeah. a great story. Uh, and how have you been finding the the reception to it and all that? <laughs> Uh, the the response has been brilliant. Like yeah. the reviews have been super, yeah. um, and like it wasn't a big budget film, um, no. by yeah. no manner of means. Yeah. It was a bit more than a regular TV documentary budget would have, right. um, yeah. but the drama was sucking it up, and it was yeah. like they were shooting the drama before the documentary, and I, and I was involved in the contributors, the contemporary yeah. contributors, and I was thinking, Jesus, we're going to be left with two hundred euro to do the whole <laughs> to do the hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and were you? Responsible for getting the contributors because they were yes, brilliant. Yes, I know well. that was that okay. was um, and the, to get a, a range of people, I'd be very yeah. conscious. Obviously, gender balance, yeah. uh, different voices, different accents, different points of view. Yeah. Um, it's always really important in any um, documentary, any program, to have a range of voices. And I, you know, it really is a long time coming. You look at um, a lot of um, output on RT, television, radio, and others, and I don't. Um, you know, I am a feminist to the core, but like, hey, we're not having a six middle-aged men with yeah, nice yeah. middle-class academic yeah. accents telling yeah, us boring story. Yeah, let's yeah, let's diverse yeah, yeah. and a range of accents and a range of people. Yeah, yeah. And that was the aim of that. Yeah. Um, and I hope we achieved it Definitely to some extent. Wonderful. And of course, you need experts in their area. Yeah. But it, you know, you can just look beyond mm. the obvious. Mm. Um. You're our first researcher, uh, I know, <laughs> amongst many other things, but uh, could you just tell us a little bit about what are res- what the important things for a researcher and if there's anyone out there who wants to become, mm. uh, what they should know. Clearly Paul didn't do his research before. Uh, <laughs> I sent him all the material he needed to read. <laughs> he had three weeks so, uh, to read So just tell us all about <laughs> whatever it is. Tell me a little bit about uh, <laughs> Hugh Lane. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I think... 
you're going to say, of course you're going to say that. I think research is really important. <laughs> but of, yeah, of course, course I'm going to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and it's not just, I think people imagine it's either celebrity bookers, yeah, you know, for chat shows yeah. like that, let's wheel in whoever's in hand, or fact checkers. That's not it. Mm. Um, for me, for me, the real pleasure is finding something nobody has got seen before and yeah. um, to find something new, yeah. looking at nuance, looking at alternative ways of seeing things. I like that with looking for contributors and voices. You know the story. I could write the script, but I'm not going to be the one who's telling it. Yeah. So we need to bring people in and out at various different points in the story. Yeah. Um, and it's to look at that and to balance that. Um, and I would see that as a really important part of being a researcher and to, to fight your corner. Like if whether it be, you know, the Pakenny TV show or the Clareborn show looking at it over the last couple of weeks, um, yeah. choosing the guests for the panellists. As mm. a researcher, you don't have ultimate choice. You have to battle with the producers. Luckily with Hugh Lane, I also produced the documentary part of it. Um, I haven't a clue producers who look after the funding. That was James Mitchell yeah. who look after all of the legal, the funding. And Jane Doolan, who looked after all of the drama and her, her expertise would be in, in feature film. Mm. Um, but what I did know about was documentary and how to get those voices yeah. um, and hopefully get them right. Um, and that's what I did. That's what you brought. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, hey, I could talk about Hugh Lane for hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was so much left out. But the, it breaks the, my heart. Yeah, but that enthusiasm that you have is what's really fun. Yeah. For me, it's it's just a joy to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. You know, <laughs> you don't see it very often, but to be frank, uh, you know, you don't. Yeah. Um, oh, it was like that, but, you know, it was just such a joy. And be like to work with people like Mark. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Thaddeus O'Sullivan, yeah. people, and and them all, all the people involved. Mick Mahan, Mick Mahan, the editor could have produced this. He was just yeah. he'd ring me up and he'd say, "Sorry to bother you, but was that 1908 or 1909?" I'd say, "Mick, you're not bothering me. Brilliant." Yeah, yeah. And he'd say, "Something isn't making sense." So you had like five, seven minds, and yeah. Annie Barkley, who was our line producer, we had all these brains sitting around the room, all coming from their own angles, but all contributing to one final piece of work. Yeah, just pulling uh, in the right direction. Everybody, yeah, yeah team. And, and there, there, <laughs> it was infectious. Their enthusiasm, and Mark and I were saying like, oh, at the end, there was a, like a, a, um, when Hugh Lane died, they never found his body, but they had produced um, a description because they were trying to. Uh, lots of bodies were washed up in Cork. Mm. The uh, the Lusitania went down just about um, fifteen kilometres off Cork, very close to where he was born, and bodies were washing up um, for several weeks after. The, the ship went down. Yeah. Um, so they issued a, bill, a description of Lane even talking about his monographed underwear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so of course, I'm there going, like, how can we get his monographed underwear? Yeah. Hugh Percy Lane. Yeah. <laughs> how can we get this in his signet ring? And, yeah, yeah. you know, it's stand. I became the Hugh Lane bore, you know, <laughs> amongst my friends. You know, you couldn't mention it or I'd start yeah. telling them stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly the stories that weren't in the film because I thought I'd have to yeah. dig up a few No, I'm actually, I'm busy on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be bored to death? <laughs> the Hugh Lane bore or, you know, the mastermind special subject. Yeah. I yeah. have one She's now. up. She's up. Yeah, yeah. She's oh. off again. Um, I would love to have you. It's great working. though. Because <laughs> your enthusiasm is infectious. So for any director or writer, you'd be an absolute gem. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 not I'm not digging that <laughs> hole on my own. I'm very choosy. <laughs> have you Paul, got any Paul put that business yeah, card sorry. away. <laughs> uh, have you got any other projects that you're working on at the moment? Oh, um, I've just been involved in the repeal movement um, okay. and was working on that for the past few weeks. So I'm kind of 
flat out. There's a couple of long term things, a couple of ideas we're working through. Um, and it's, it's a long part. It's nearly three years since James Mitchell phoned me to mention the Hugh Lane film. Wow. I'm not, I wasn't working that exclusively. I've done a few um, RT investigation programmes yeah. as researchers since then and a yeah. few few pieces here and there. But um, there, there's nearly, you, you'd, you nearly have to have a few things on the go. Yeah. At different stages of development. Yeah, yeah. different plates spinning at yeah. the same time. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you have any advice for anybody who wants to get into your particular field? <clears throat> It's, it's very difficult for young people, I think, because of the pressures of time. I would always say stick to your guns. Integrity. I know for youngsters in journalism, and I would come at what I do with a very journalistic um, approach, yeah. um, mm. you need time. Google isn't equal to research. If you tell something, somebody to Google something, that's not... You need to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Talk to people. Pick up the phone. Preferably go meet somebody. This also applies to to directors as well, yeah. from an independent Talk perspective as well. Get out and do your search. Talk to people. Don't Google it. I worked on a, a health program in RT Donkeys years ago called Checkup. And like we would be doing things, you know, trying to talk to somebody who had hemorrhoids to come and talk on television. I know someone if you're still looking. If they listen to this, I'm sure. We had we would was a health problem. So there's a huge range of you know. It's not me, by the way. You know, from getting people to tell you things about their yeah. and their motivation would be you know to tell others and to avoid whatever they might have experienced. And it's that kind of research that really you can really learn from. And yeah. the only way you can do that is talk to people okay. Mm. Okay. and hold your own. And if the editor says, you know, but we need it by two o'clock and it's 11 o'clock now. Say, you know, is it, do you want it right or do you want it now? Right. Mm-hmm. What's that phrase? Do you want it quick or do you want it? Yeah, do you want it quick? Do you want it done quick or do you want it done right? Yes. And I would say, repeat that phrase to whoever's trying to push you and push you and push you to present a piece of work that's not, um, that you can't stand over. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been mistakes. There have been very serious mistakes made mm. in RT and in other places mm. by not going through everything with a fine tooth comb. Mm. And journalists like Mary Rafter, who I worked with, like, Jesus, like, like, she'd drive you mad, but you, uh, you had to be able to stand over. So you'd value integrity over skill. Oh. Well, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm. The skills you can learn. Mm-hmm. Um, inte- you know, integrity comes with a determination mm. and an openness. To, mm. But skills you can learn. You can learn how to find things and where to find them. But nothing beats talking to somebody. Yeah. And the things that they'll tell you and then following up and, oh, I, you know, a cousin of somebody's. You're de- or so you're basically a detective. Yeah. Yeah. You're a PI. You're a PI. Yeah. Don't tell me anything over a pint that you don't want. <laughs> you don't want ending up in a. Uh, well, it's the last time I tell you about my hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> I know, really good cure. I'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's the great thing about your job. You must know loads of different oh, things. About that. <laughs> Give great. us the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the lowdown. <laughs> uh, that's great. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so Are much you? for coming okay, in. Okay, great, uh, great. Is there really uh, anything else that you want to plug um, to anybody or if you, is your I don't th- need, uh, a daughter's birthday or I don't know, whatever you want to <laughs> drop in there. I know, if the it was this time last week, I would be, you know, you, the, the, the phones would be hopping right. without repeal, but I'm still in yeah. the afterglow. Um, Hugh Lane is still on Citizen Lane um, and I love the title. I love the right. title. And, and it's it. playing, is it, it's nationwide, is it? It's or? nationwide. It's in Cork, Galway, yeah. several cinemas in Dublin. I don't know how long. It, it's not, uh, you know, it's not I box office Hollywood. Just no. this week, we're going to 
hopefully get the podcast out uh, soon. Yeah, be great. You know, if you can see it, I saw it in Dunleary. It's lovely. The big screen. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it looks uh, yeah. beautiful as well. And hopefully it, it will really be really beautiful. It is really it's beautiful. very lush. Yeah. I know for something that isn't that didn't have millions yeah. of euro behind it that was was done I think and you know looking at our yeah. director of photography and Thaddeus yeah. and um, oh what gosh. a cast and high fives all round high fives high right. fives so go see it it'll be on in, in on TV it'll be on an RT yeah. but not but that's no reason to not go and see oh, it no. in the cinema there's such a difference go and see there? it in the yeah. cinema such a difference with with anything yeah because yeah. um, yeah. you're not going to be looking up tweets Distracted. on your phone yep. the phone's not yeah. ringing you're not yep. going to yep. nip out to make yep. a cup of tea or yep. get a beer out of the lose yourself and you know go to a space yeah. where you won't Indulge be distracted in the pleasure of cinema yeah yeah. The, the, uh, you know the error and a half that you have oh yeah, yeah that's yours yeah. yeah go to see it in the cinema go go go, go go Citizen Lane yes <laughs> Sheila thank you so much for coming in we really welcome. appreciate it thanks Sheila <laughs>